0: Trey, I can't believe it. We were worried about it, but we had this race after all. Somehow. Just Yeah, and what that means is that all us journalists out there can go shut our mouths and be grateful for the entertainment product that we were provided.
1: I'm not sure about that one, Chief. Welcome back to Motorsport 101.
0: Character that I'm playing is being portrayed sarcastically. This is not something that I actually believe, but like, yeah, I'm, I think we're all amazed that we had this event.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when, when we were homologating the racetrack days before the race actually took place, it was always cutting it close.
1: And that was the optimistic side of how this weekend played out, because it got far more sketchy outside of that. Hey, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 475 of Modus Motorsport 101. Um, glad you could join us on this one. And, yeah, we kind of were scared about this one for a good while, and unlike what certain people will have you believe, rightly so, um, about this Indian Grand Prix. But we did get a race weekend in the end. We'll talk a little bit about how we got there later on in the show. But... Uh, I want to give the man some flowers um, here because uh <clears throat> uh it's worthy of praise. I mean, RJ, who who laid a bigger beat down over the course of the weekend? Marco Bezecchi or the Miami Dolphins? You know, between those two
0: and Master Stappen, it is tough. Uh apologies uh, it, to our Broncos fans listening out there. <laughs>
2: Remember, um, the I make ends. no such apologies.
0: You got 50 bald in football! <laughs> We're all supporters of a division rival in the AFC East. Mm-hmm.
1: Me and Cam, for, those who, for, for those who are, like, who are NFL fans like, like we all are in here, like me and Cam are both Patriots fans, and uh, I, I had to watch. And normally, I wouldn't approve of a division rival Dolphins winning, but uh, I'm not sure what sticks off as a headline more. The fact that the Denver Broncos got beaten by a 50-piece or the fact that the Dolphins scored seventy in total. Seventy. As a team, they had
2: seven hundred and how many yards?
1: I want to say seven hundred and twenty-six. I think it was seven
2: hundred the... and twenty-six yards.
1: Dude, like the second, crazy. it was the second most prolific offensive game in the history of the NFL. <clears throat> like Tyreek Hill had, had the quietest one hundred and sixty-yard game you will ever see in your life.
0: <laughs> oh. I just yeah. And you know, what, I, I'm worried to face that.
1: <laughs> like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I am too. Um, and we already did, like actually, as a Patriots fan, I took a degree of pride knowing we only lost against them by five. That's crazy. That defense oh, is tough, man. I don't yeah. know what's gonna
0: come with my beloved Buffalo Bills. Come face uh one's team, the Miami Dolphins. uh, QB with
1: QB Yolo under under the hood. <laughs> That's gonna be that, tough. That is Josh Allen. That's gonna be fascinating to see how that uh, how that one goes. Uh, also, also, shut like Mike McDaniel. I want a word with you. You're a coward. You had a chance to break the all time NFL scoring record for most points in the game, and you kneel instead of kicking a field goal. Cowardice. Cowardice. Yeah. The fucking field yeah, you, know, you know
2: what? Put that into the 100th percentile of the surrender e- index, even though they won by 50. That Don't is a care. surrender kind of move.
1: Yeah. cowardice. If you have, like, look, it's been said in secret, basically, they made, a, they made a video about this with New England when they beat Tennessee in that snow game. I think it was all 59 to nothing. And, and like, the whole point of that video was they, they were mad at Bill for not running the score up more. Like, win by 100. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. D- <laughs> th-
0: disrespect them. Like set new records, break the score, Gami scale. Wow, this is like two Bojan concepts that we've referenced in this intro.
1: I know, and on, and on the other hand of the coin, I love that people thought that McDaniel was disrespectful by winning that game with seventy points on the board, but also mad at him for not going for seventy three. Which one is it, football fans? <laughs> Football fans are strange people. Speaking of
2: winning by <coughs> disrespectful margins on this NFL podcast, Marco Bezzecki, who boots <laughs> to asses this weekend. why,
1: India. why not Bez is back. <laughs> why not Bez? Should we get straight into it? Because we'll do social media at the end of the show. Let's get into... MotoGP's Indian Grand Prix, and it's only fair, because I think I feel like his result has kind of been swept under the rug because of other things that happened with this race weekend, but Marco Bozecchi just won a MotoGP race by 8.6 seconds.
0: That doesn't sound like a lot for our car people, but in motorcycle racing, that, is, big. that is a yawning chasm.
1: Especially given he's on last year's bike compared to Jorge Martin, who was in second. Like, the previous year's bike dominated this race. Like, I think it's the biggest winning margin of the year so far, I think, actually. Um, I have to double check that, but I believe it this is. This is a
0: certified Porsche GT3 customer beat where the old car's better than the new one.
1: Yes. Oh, um, God. The first ever MotoGP race in India was dominated by Marco Bezecchi in a race he won by nearly 10 seconds from Jorge Martin. And surprise on the podium, Fabio Quattararo, everybody.
2: Hello. There was there was a heartbeat in the shambling corpse of Japan this weekend.
1: Yes, they had something. They cooked a little bit. They 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 they, they used the microwave. It's a plus. Not Chef Mike. <laughs> yes, Chef Mike. If 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 you're a fan of Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares and you got that reference, well done you. Um, the reason why Fabio Quattrararo was on the podium was partly because of Francesco Bagnaia, who crashed at half distance while running third. Whoops. With it, Jorge Martinez reduced his championship deficit to just 13 points, with Bez now back in play at minus 44. Bless what did you yeah, like what did you <laughs> think of MotoGP's <laughs> so Indian debut? And man, are we getting a title fight again here? I'ma let y'all
0: talk about this one for the most part, <clears throat> but fantastic for Bez to get that result. I think a lot of us were worried that like. He'd had his high moments of the season already. He was falling off, but no. Great weekend, but I'm sure y'all are going to want to talk about Francesco Bagnaia looking bulletproof, even after taking a bicycle to the legs. And now, all of a sudden, his worst havoc's come back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we're quite back to, to the Pekka, why are you the way that you are line, but of all the times to drop it, Probably not while both Bez Bez goes hot this weekend and Jorge Martin has been on a hot streak as of the last three to four weekends. He's been cooking. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, effectively the same equipment underneath the fairing um, that Peko is riding. And you know how weird it is that we're in a universe where Jorge Martin is putting together a consistency run? Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> um, it's incredibly
1: wild to say, but it looks like Martin might be over his personal case of the drop C's while Banyaya. The thing about Bagnaia is, is that it's easy to point to the crash. That that'll be the easy way of looking at it. Of course, oh, Bagnaia's crashed again. Yada yada yada. No, it's more than that for me. I watched this race in full on on the plane back from Vegas, and let me tell you, I cannot remember the last time I saw Francesco Bagnaia, reigning MotoGP world champion, look so vulnerable on his Ducati. He, he looked wasn't himself, un- was he? He, he, he looked he uncomfortable. Never
2: looked. He never looked at it. You know, Pecco has an incredibly smooth rhythm, both smooth and the ability to exploit the Ducati's braking, which is more than the funny Desmo in a straight line. It might be the bike's best quality is its ability on the brakes, and Mm. Pecco can exploit that better than anybody. He never looked like he was in his rhythm. He never looked smooth. He looked like he never really had the bike in the track. Um, and you could kind of see it coming. He, he was having to push and visibly push the you know, the the body language of the bike mm. very, very hard. He wasn't able to brake as late as he normally can, and he was having to go at t- at eleven tenths to maintain his position.
1: I read interviews I I, I I i had I saw transcripts in the media. He openly admitted that he he let he let he let loose. In the second half of this race, and he—that was the first time since his injury at Catalunya that he was at a hundred percent of what he felt like he could do. Because he he rode within himself at Misano, and that was the right you decision.
2: You could see it again. The, the one of the best things about bike racing, even in this, you know, very odd technical era, is you can tell when someone's pushing because you can mm. tell on the body language of the bike better than you can with any any four wheel vehicle. Yes, um, but I completely agree. He just never looked like himself. Yeah, he didn't look like the ultra smooth rider we've seen for most of this season.
1: I, I have a theory here. I think he's lost confidence in his breaking. I think that's what's done it. If it, it felt like he 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 felt like he. I've never seen Banyai outbreak himself like he did during the Indian Grand Prix. That was that was a man who who had lost confidence. Of arguably his strongest attribute, and that is the fact that you cannot outbreak Francesco Banyaira into an apex. It's impossible. That's what yeah. makes him such a brilliant defensive rider when he's not crashing. Is that like good like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to basically break on your marks every single time, otherwise you're going to go wide. Banya is so good at skirting that limit. But I went way over it multiple times during that race. And the last one obviously cost him his spot in the race and what would have been a comfortable podium.
2: Um, And and like, look, to be a motorcycle rider, especially at this level, these people have confidence basically in the unknown. mm. If If you get on the brakes, you're slowing down from 200 plus on a carbon, 300 pound carbon fiber missile. It's beyond confidence. You need to be a little bit insane to actually brake that late um and he just he just couldn't for whatever reason and looking back at like obviously he is riding a bit injured right now he does have contusions to his leg but in a sick twisted sort of way that's like only like the 15th worst MotoGP injury we've seen this year <laughs> there are people riding a heck of a lot more hurt than he is right now.
1: he, he missed zero time after being run over, probably should have.
2: That's <laughs> motorcycle racing for you.
1: That's motorcycle racing, and we praised him for the fact that he, that, you know, he rode within himself, and worked out what his limit was, and brought home two comfortable podiums in Massano Like we praised him for that, and then a week later, he lets the shackles off and he bins it for the first time in half a dozen rounds. Like just. Bizarre stuff from Banyai, who openly admitted, yeah, I fucked up, I made a mistake, I went I went 100%, I shouldn't have done... He, to be fair, he, like he's, he's a very mature rider, Banyai. He, he completely owned it. He said, look, this is not anything to do with the bike, it's my mistake. I need to get to grips with this thing again and basically go back to basics, basically, because he openly admitted he got it wrong on the brakes all the time. Um, he could not hit his marks to save his life out there. And... <clears throat> You speak of the injuries, Cam. We had two more over the course of this weekend, and it was the sprint. It was the sprint that did it again. It was Luca Marini, who outbroke himself into turn one on the opening lap, took himself out, hit his teammate, put Bezecchi out wide. Had to He had to recover himself after being run off the track, but he was able to keep it upright. And Alex Marquez crashed, and he broke two ribs. Oh, and Marini fractured his collarbone. So,
2: surgery for that earlier today, as of time recording, I believe.
1: Yes. Um, Um, so yeah, Alex Marquez had operation on yesterday, Marini was the day before. Um, both will likely miss significant time. Um, we were on the brink of getting a full grid again because Alex Rins is going to try and race in Mategi this weekend. Um, but we still will not have a fully healthy grid. Um, in in Mategi. We've not had a fully healthy grid in 2023. It will be at least October before we get one, if we get one. Yeah,
2: the, a, a massive if, because we're getting a couple of injuries every weekend. Um, Alex was injured in Q1. Uh, Marini was injured, as Dre said, at the start of the sprint. Um, just a clumsy move, really. Yeah, um, it, into, the, into the back of his teammate, no
1: less. Yeah, it's uh, but it was a uh it was it's 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 the third turn one lap one pile up we've had in the last four weekends it's like what At are we doing point. here
2: <laughs> and and we're going we're going to beat we're going to beat this horse until there is time. nothing left on the bones <laughs> but these start line devices and whole shot devices and aerodynamics they are they contribute to this because as someone who has ridden and rides a motorcycle, um, braking with completely compressed forks. I can't even imagine that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we saw we saw it in race trim uh, where we saw Mark in Banyaya's slipstream go down, broke a little bit too late, got the suck effect and just went wide. Um, we this how many times are we going to see a bike go down in someone else's slipstream because the brakes just stop working?
1: Yeah. how many times
2: are we going to see a turn one pile up because these bikes are beyond like like they don't have enough contact patch to support what these teams are trying to do. You get a better start out of your whole shot devices, but you are your chassis is compromised breaking until that device deactivates. And it doesn't always deactivate right away.
1: Yeah, like it's we've said it a hundred times. I'm not going to get into in, get into it again here. But at this point, the whole shot device is is the most dangerous thing about this sport. And um, people are going to keep getting hurt with these mass pileups into turn one. Um, it's going to keep happening until something drastic has to happen. You know, and unfortunately we are not at that point yet, and I don't
2: know We just had a weekend where we didn't even, like, most of the riders couldn't get there until the last couple of days, Mm -hmm. and the track wasn't homologated
1: until hours before the actual event took place. It's a weird one, we'll get into that very shortly as well, but... I, again I feel bad because like I said Bez was so good this weekend so so good. His, <laughs> his best weekend in MotoGP comfortably I I knew he was going to win the moment. I don't know if, if anybody's seen this on on MotoGP's website I, I recommend you find it because it is quite entertaining because if, you know, if you notice they now do this sort of behind the scenes two three minute video of the riders going to the sprint podium in the cart and Mark Marquez, who got a sprint podium, by the way, by finishing third, um, says to Banyaya, oh, you know, Bez did a, did a 44-5 on the final lap, right? And, like, Banyaya, looks like he's just seen a ghost. <laughs> he's like, you what? Um, <laughs> it's, it was incredible just seeing the look on his it's face. It too fast. <clears throat> that... Uh, Really realized that you know that's how fast Bez is Because when Bez was taken out at turn one had to run, why then he still finished fifth? Three point two seconds off the sprint win. He was flying
2: uh, at the sa- the second half of that sprint.
1: Yeah, he was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that that is the point where I knew. When when Banyaira Martin reacted like that, I knew that Bezeki was gonna win on win the Grand Prix. He had spe- he had pace coming out of his back pocket. And uh yeah, like I, I I fully admit I've been skeptical about Bez this season. I was wrong. Good he's, he's, star. I mean, you don't it, do it, that it's, in it's, this sport now. You you don't. It,
2: it feels like it. It feels like we've had a couple of riders of this discussion. Like they keep giving us reasons to think that we're stars, and then proving us wrong by crashing, and then coming back by putting up amazing performances grand right. performances like this and like a few and of the guys
0: that we know are like proven stars we can we out are not on equipment that can help them prove that mark well, Fabio, well, two
2: of them are i mean generally speaking peko has been solid this year this has yeah. been the first the first real oopsie since coda um yeah. because we we don't know what happened in catalonia again given the nature of the ducati i tend to think something must have happened with the bike mm. um but it's piecing it all together it's that consistency that is going to make one of these guys champion and we have now got a blown open title fight it's only a 13 point gap and martin is on a hot streak because over the last three or four races he's learned to stop dropping the bike
1: yeah he's 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 got his head down and it's showing like he's back in this race. Like right now, i actually argue he might be favourite with Mania still not at one hundred percent yet. And like Martin has, you know, Catalonia was third and fifth in the sprint. He doubled up in San Marino and he's now come second in the race and won the sprint in India. He's in he's in good form, um, and he, yeah, he's but-
2: and he's just taking the points as they come because he could have tried to drop the hammer to go try and run bez down he didn't need to yep
1: yeah exactly and he's taken the points he's been smart about it you know because he's got a buffer to bez he's got 31 points to bez he could afford to lose five um and that's that's fine he's playing the percentages and that's what smart riders do and right now we have a genuine shot of a, of the first ever satellite rider to win a MotoGP world title. It's its doable. It's easy to think about.
0: But nobody had ever done that before.
2: Well, yeah. technically. Because MotoGP started in 2002, because uh, Valentino Rossi was not on a quote-unquote Repsol Honda.
0: But even though it didn't. was underneath. Dude, that's just like saying, yeah, top-tier motorcycle racing started in 2002 the way top-tier English football started in 1992, but they didn't. Exactly. That that is insane.
2: Yeah, top class motorcycle racing. No, MotoGP. Yes.
0: Yes. Dude. Yeah. Should, should, <laughs> speaking of insane things, should we all <laughs> should we cover the build up to the MotoGP yes. in the Grand Prix because what we didn't to, happen.
2: Well, what didn't we, happen in the build well, up to we were, this race. We were,
0: well, what we were thinking was not going to happen was the race itself because it was hard to ignore the build up to the debut of the MotoGP the Grand Prix. It was messy. To say the least. Within the week of the race itself, we had a huge last-minute rush on getting visa clear, leading to many journals losing money on rearranging flights or not going to the event at all. But amazingly, the world record speed run of the game papers, please, was completed, and all the essential personnel, the riders, and competitors, got their visas clear. There was a riders' meeting that was booked before the weekend over safety fears. There are a lot of sketchy spots at Bood Circuit. Thankfully, these were largely taken care of. The sport itself published a map of the country during the broadcast without the regions of Kashmir and Jammu, citing to big regional backlash, an apology published by the sport. Big. Uh, Turkish Cyprus vibes from the first Turkish Grand Prix in F1 if you know.
1: Oh, you know. God.
0: and then like the most insane thing that came out of the week that I saw like Monday was beat between broadcasters and journals and social media like Matt Oxley and Simon Crafar were going at it and they were just like yeah we need to call this off otherwise people are going to enjoy it too much
2: <laughs> I enjoyed so, it enough as it was
0: so Dre hmm. what did you make of this fine fine ass mess
1: well fine ass mess is probably the best way to describe it now look the original tweet from that got a lot of the mainstream press talking about this was the fact that he referred to the people in the media box as quote those journalists um who you know he explained himself later to say that it was the general negativity resounding this Grand Prix. And he, he wasn't a fan of that general vibe. So it was like, oh, you know, those those journalists enjoyed the race. And look, I, I wrote about this in my DR and I had to make this very strong point. I, I make no... Bon- I'm honest about this. I've pissed off people in Dawn by some of the stuff I've written about them over the years. I've burned bridges with good people I used to consider friends. I sat as an arrogant blogger who thought he knew better many years ago. That has changed. I have now sat down in those same media centers with people that I've, whose work and general philosophy I've come to respect. You know, you you guys know. I talked about it. We joked about it. I did our Discord server. Like Simon Patterson is now someone I consider a friend. When he was someone that, yeah, I had. Arguments with on social media many a time. It was fucking
2: Arby's hours. Anytime y'all start talking, and uh, yeah, shout out, artists, shout out the artist formerly, formerly known as Twitter.
1: Yeah, like I make no bones about it. You can find those tweets; they're out there. I didn't delete them, you know. So, you know, I have seen both sides of the fence on this, and I did a round trip of Vegas, including twenty-one hours of flights in the space of three days. I have a newfound respect for anyone who's able to be able to do this 20 times a year. That shit is fucking hard. Like, and a lot of these journalists that are going to these events are doing it on an independent basis. Like, spoiler alert, folks. Motorsport, there's not a lot of money in it, as members of the written press. Dude, that's
0: crazy. When you consider how much money it is, like, how many stories do I hear about, like, well-moneyed participants
1: Mhm. It's <laughs> great if you're a survivor, but Like, unlike what the Tory Party may tell you in the UK, there is no trickle down economics here. A lot of these people are spending tens of thousands of pounds a year to be able to cover this sport full time. Not everybody has the luxury of having their expenses covered. Not everybody has the luxury of being able to make a bucket load of money over what they do. And I know many, many of these people that love this sport. I mentioned it in my DR person, I'll say it again here. I'm not gonna mention said person by name, but one of my best friends was in a world championship level paddock, was a full permanent residing member with a media pass to said paddock, was doing it on a shoestring budget, year on year, trying to save as much money as possible, it's like trying to you know, pinch every penny possible, and they were still losing thousands year on year to be able to do this. So when I say, so I don't say this lightly when I say the visa situation was a fucking disaster. there was many, many members of the press that could have been there to help talk and talk up and promote your brand new Grand Prix. And I cannot stress this enough. this in a premier spot, a massive untapped potential market in India. The amount of bikes that India sells—hundreds of thousands a year. It's one of the biggest.
2: It's one of the biggest motorcycling markets on the planet.
1: Period. Point it is, blank.
2: It's it's one of the countries out in in that area of the world that is more or less built upon motorcycling in certain areas.
1: Yeah. And half the press that could have been there didn't make it because they didn't get their visas when they were due to fly out. So then it, it became a mad panic of hoping your visa gets cleared by India's travel board or starting the process again, which you cannot do within 24 hours of your flight, which is also a problem. And the fact that they were also competing with other members of the press and even certain members of the team's to fly out to India in time to get the weekend started. Now, thankfully, as as mentioned, they have, they have they averted that crisis, but there were still many journos that either lost money or didn't make it. That is unacceptable, completely unacceptable from an organizational standpoint. Like, that is a big fuck-up. And amazingly, it was only their second biggest fuck-up of the weekend. Let me tell smart. you, like, let me tell you, and this is coming from a guy that is a huge cricket fan. And we all know that cricket is India's national sport. And if you've seen how Indian cricket fans get down, oh boy, let me tell you, they cancel sports events for fuck-ups on the level that Dorna had over this weekend. Like, showing a map that didn't have Kashmir and Jammu on it is mad disrespectful. Yes, yes. There is big political disputes in that country of Pakistan over over the land and regions of respective countries. You do not show that map with certain parts of its country missing. That is a horrible look. It's ignorant. It's a horrible look, and I and look, the fact that Dorna turned around and posted an apology within hours says to me they know how badly they goosed that up. Because it became a national story by Sunday morning, it was on Indian national newspapers.
2: And this has been a this so far has been a year of Dorna not
1: giving a fuck. Like this was the one where they had to play damage control, <laughs> big damage control. Because yeah, a lot of their fans got very very angry about that map being shown on the broadcast. And as soon as I saw it, I was like. Oh no, that's that. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a catastrophic move. There was also I didn't even mention it in the set list. There was a Marshall walkout at one point as well.
0: We had a marshal walkout too? Yeah. Yep. Yes, we did.
1: There was a Marshall walkout over over lack of water supply being given to the, to the marshals, and and this race was uh, this race was so hot that they took three laps off the Grand Prix at the riders' request because they could not handle. The fact you're doing a Moto GP race there in September. Yeah, it, it gets it gets hot down there.
0: It's it, even late in the summer. Like if it's that tough on the riders, like Marshall's standing out there? You gotta be on call for any of this stuff?
2: Well, they're standing yeah. out in the sun in a brutally warm climate.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, where do you think the phrase Indian summer comes from when it's hot in September?
2: Hmm.
1: Need I say more? Like, let's not forget, like, like it's, it's worth mentioning. Jorge Martin had his own controversy because his zipper came un- unstuck during the middle of the race, and he lost the second on the final lap trying to fix it. Martin nearly passed out from heat exhaustion. He was on the brink of, of whiting out. Like he's playing a Pokemon game because he was on the brink of passing out through dehydration. Marco Bezeki had a fan in his helmet which I've never heard about before until now. And, like, Fabio Vigi Antonio had to retire from the race early because the combination of the heat and the shoulder pain he had from an injured shoulder he suffered at Misano was causing him to white out while riding a 220-mile-an-hour bike. And they didn't good? give the marshals water properly. Like, bad I don't think looks that's all good. around.
2: doesn't feel good.
1: No. This, I mean, was, this was a hot mess of a weekend. Okay, I mean, what did you make of it, Cam, On the outside looking <laughs> in?
2: I, I really don't have much creative to actually add there. It was a total fucking train wreck top to bottom operationally by those in power and affecting those on the ground. Um.
0: What more do I really re- say to it? <laughs> these are the kind of weekends that just, like, radicalize people. <laughs> <laughs> You're
2: not wrong. Yeah, these are the these are the weekends that make you go, what the fuck are we actually doing here? Which I feel like we've said way too many times about motorcycle racing this year.
1: Yeah, the last year and a half has been a headache, to say the least. Which is probably what half these rides had by the time the race was over. Half of them. What- Like, I'm glad that this race went ahead in the end. Look, look, contrary to what you might think if you're a regular MotoGP podcast listener, we want the best for bike racing. We love bike racing. We fucking love bike racing. We We love this. Like, Like, the best years to be a bike racing fan were the late
0: 2010s, and we're just like, damn, why can't we have that back?
1: Yeah, like... And the last thing the sport needs is, one, cleaning up PR damage control at a race weekend where half the press either couldn't make it or were pissed off they'd lost hundreds, if not thousands of pounds trying to make it to the Grand Prix in the first place. And all at the
2: same time when company men are trying to tell us that No, actually, what you're seeing isn't what you're seeing. Everything is fine because the race went ahead in the end. That doesn't make the road that we took to get here correct.
1: Right. Like I said, I have been on on both sides of this fence before. And look, Lewis, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you'd agree with me. So I say this with with a polite touch. Simon Crayfar is probably the most prolific broadcaster now on Dawn's broadcasts. Now that Nick Harris is long retired, Crayfar is an incredibly important broadcaster and figure in this sport. He is a technical guru. He is a all-round, you know, pundit. He is a marquee name with obviously a, a, ba- a, a deep background in racing himself. Like when it's like it would be very similar to Martin Brundle here in Formula One. So when Crayfar speaks, it has weight and i and some of the argument that i saw him make was that oh this was it was a personal account it was a personal tweet out of ours on his personal accounts i'm sorry that that's not a valid excuse like you are you represent the company that produces this sport and taking a swing at the media is over genuinely valid concerns about this race is ignorance and people will rightly call you out on that. Like this, like this was like, okay, I'll say this honestly. Do I think Simon Patterson sometimes overeggs the pudding? Yes, absolutely. You're like he's absolutely been guilty of that over the years, and I'd say it to his face. However, was there genuinely valid safety concerns about this race? Yes. Was there genuine concerns about the transportation and the infrastructure behind this race, i.e., the visas being cleared? Yes, did you absolutely fuck up your broadcast by pissing off your home country? Absolutely, yes. These are all valid things to be critical of.
2: Like the fact that they had to issue the fact that the 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 track itself had to issue multiple statements regarding the visa situation, and Dorna had to issue statements around the fuck up with the you know the map of India. They know they fucked up. It's not conditional. They objectively fucked up and they acknowledge that because they had no other choice. We were in a situation where Brad Bender didn't have a way to get into the country for a while. Mark Marquez didn't have a way to get into India until right before the race. The racetrack that we raced on was not homologated for MotoGP use until days before the race actually took place when some of the teams who were able to get their visas on time were already on the ground.
1: That is a objective operational fuck up. Yeah. This Grand Prix, in many ways, went wrong. Now, yes, just because you actually pulled off a full race weekend, no one got significantly hurt. That's the bare fucking minimum. You know. That, we expect that out of a MotoGP weekend. You don't expect to go into a
2: MotoGP weekend, Dre, debating whether you're actually going to have the race or not.
1: Yeah, we were. Unless you have a,
2: a legitimate act of God weather situation or something on that level.
1: Yeah, I know multiple members of teams that were not in the country until Thursday morning. Like. Guys, you don't have to lie about this. Like, take some accountability outside of the cashmere map fuck up and say, "Look, we got away with one here, and it's not the first time I've said that about MotoGP this month." But, like, like I get it, and I'm, I've not suddenly sold out because I'm now a, a, a paid journalist myself to to cover Formula One predominantly, right? Well, I will still happily say on the record. Don't piss on my head and call it rain and say that this Grand Prix weekend was a success because it wasn't. Like, this place has great potential and I have no doubt it'll be much better next year. No doubt in my mind about that. We can only hope. I can hope, you know. I'd like to think they've learned some lessons from this weekend and they they will not repeat themselves. Like, the the attendance was bad. 110,000 on the weekend's not great. 58,000 on race day's not too bad. Um, I, I've said before September might not be the best slot for this Grand Prix. I would also say that you've got to remember the Cricket World Cup starts next week. Um, which is a home Cricket World Cup for India. Um, like oh, I said, yeah. like I said, it's a home. It's a home World Cup for India's national sports Where do you think people are going to be spending their money for the next month? Six weeks actually, because the Cricket World Cup goes on for two months, nearly. Like. This like the scheduling was not ideal for this race. You, you've clashed with the Cricket World Cup to a degree. You still got fifty eight thousand. That's not bad. But if since he's one hundred and ten k, think about that. Like you, 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 you half filled it because man, I've spoken to people in India about this. The race was not well promoted. I wonder why? <sighs> you know, they can do better. And I just don't like being spoken to like an idiot by one of the, the sports most prolific broadcasters. Don't look broadcasters. us in the
2: eye and tell us that what we're seeing is on what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, like, I, I just, we, we're, not, we're not stupid. We're smarter than that. Like, treat us like adults rather than lie to our faces like like Tory politicians and say, oh, everything was perfect. No, no, it wasn't. It's uh, okay. we, meant to,
0: we meant to put the brakes on HS2 the whole time. <laughs> oh,
1: don't even get me started on that.
0: Oh, uh, should Before we talk about something more uh, positive like the new MotoGP provisional calendar I'm gonna for 2024. I'm going to be Wait. sick.
1: Oh god. Are we sure that we're calling this a positive? I mean, okay, the calendar came out today at time of recording. It's come out. I'll give you a quick rundown here um for 2023, or 2024 I should say, for the new calendar said so this came out today, hot off the presses. Qatar, back in the season opening spot on March 10th. Uh, Portimao is now going to be round two on March 24th. Then we go to the American wing, as I like to call it, in the, uh, Argentina on April 7th. Back to back with, God, it's actually going to be, a, yeah, back to back with America at Cota, uh, on April 14th. Then we get into the European portion of the year. So we've got, uh, We've got the Heref race at uh, April 28th. Then we've got Le Mans uh, um, on May 12th. Then we've got Catalunya back in its May slot again, rather than September on May 26th. It's going to be a hot one. Oh, we're going
2: to have a day of classics again. We're gonna Yo, have a day of, classics, day of classics featuring bikes?
1: Yeah. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah. Monaco Grand Prix, Catalan GP race, and Indy 500 all across oh, one yeah. weekend. It's going to be fun. Uh, that that Catalan race is also going to be a back-to-back with Mugello for the Italian Grand Prix on June 2nd. Always a fan favorite. We're trying Kazakhstan again. Uh, why? Because reasons. Because it worked so well the first time. <laughs> really? How, who, who won that race? Uh, and, um, uh, no one. <clears throat> well, what I can tell you is that Mark Marquez didn't lose
0: it.
2: Good, good to know. That's an improvement for Honda these days. Uh, Why the the fuck are we trying Kazakhstan again? This
1: is not going to
2: be a great success.
1: Yes. uh, You 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 roll a quarter in the jar. jar. All all I will say (laughs) is, allegedly, that'll be on June 16th. If not, the reserve track is the brand new Battleton Park circuit in Hungary. Um, I think there was a reason why the sport was teasing a return to Hungary a, a week or so ago because they've got Hungary in their back pocket ready to go if they can't go to Kazakhstan. And like the Ballerton Park track is pretty much finished. It was finished about two months ago. It's brand spanking new and ready to go. So uh, well, I've got a feeling they're going to be racing there instead. We, we, just, just a hunch. We'll see. June 16th, apparently. Assen is back um, on June 30th. Then the Saxon Ring round, the last race before the summer break on July 7th. Sport then takes a month out. It returns for the British Grand Prix again, like it did last year at Silverstone on August 4th. Uh, Then we've got Austria on August 18th. And then we go to Aragon. Aragon is back on the calendar um, in its September 1st slot. Um, Remember how they said they were going to rotate the the, the coastal rounds of Spain and Catalonia? Nope, they're all back on the calendar this year. So we're going to have five races in that region of the world across the year. Don't know why. Um, It's a back-to-back with San Marino at Misano, the Circuit Marco Simoncelli on September 8th. India will be, again, this exact same week in the calendar next year, September 22nd. Um, That will be the first of what I like to call the the run of death. Back-to-back triple headers. We're doing what we did last year, six races in seven weeks from this point onwards. So the first trip I had will be India on September 22nd, then Indonesia a week later on September 29th at uh, Buriram. Sorry, no, that's, that's, that's actually actually man the Sorry, my apologies. I got the two confused yeah. there. That's my apologies. September 29th and then mategi on October 6th. there uh, a, a week-
2: Japanese Grand Prix in October.
1: Risky business is what I will say. Great. Uh, a week off, and then the second block of flyaways: the Australian Grand Prix at Phillip Island, Phillip Island, October twentieth. There, ah. uh, there'll be a triple header with the Thai Grand Prix at uh, the Chang International Circuit at Buriram on twenty seventh. Bro- that is bro- <laughs> Buriram, uh, and Sepang, of course, back in its usual November third slot. Um, on like said, November third, and then the season finale at Valencia, November seventeenth now
2: this is a 44 This is a 44 race calendar
1: yes like for those of you who were slow on the maths 22 races in total the biggest moto gp season of all time Ooh. how do we feel about this one gents uh it goes uh, I, I back do, to i the- do
2: not feel i feel <laughs> nothing
1: it, it definitely feels like again we're
0: we've been we were talking about this offline before we started recording like these motorsport calendars are too big, generally speaking, but we, we have no way of going back because more Grand Prix equals more revenue, and the sport's not going to give up that newfound source of revenue, not without a fight. No. We could easily be at 18 Grand Prix, 16, 18 Grand Prix, but you know too much money to be made in the other four to stay, to so we're not getting rid of those. It's the same with soccer. It's the same with Formula One.
1: This is the way that sport crumbles now, unfortunately. like, Let's just say I'm at peace with the fact that, that motorsport calendars are only going this way. They're not condensing anything. They're only going to expand because, as RJ says, more weekends equals more money. Even if it means riders risking more injury and more chances to get hurt, they're too far gone. They are too far gone. There is no putting the genie back in the bottle at this point. And it's now gonna be a matter of how many waste weekends can you squeak out of a calendar here to maximize your revenue. They had they were they were talking about rotating the Spanish rounds out last year. That's why Aragon's not on this year's calendar and it was gone for one year, and now everybody's back on the calendar again. So- It's like, can we get 22? It's like, yeah, we can get 22. Watch this. Um, Goldberg, where are you? And this is a record-breaking season for injuries in MotoGP, and we're now going to add another round onto the calendar by bringing Aragon back. Like, I just... And Aragon is shite. I do not like Aragon. It is like it, it produces great races but it is a nightmare of a logistical nightmare as a track. People do not like going to that Grand Prix. I've heard even even scores. less than ref. Even less even less than Huraf. Isn't it
2: basically in the middle of scenic nowhere?
1: Precisely. being in the desert too. <laughs> yeah. But like at least Huraf people will roll out for Huraf. Like I see. Like it's, it's,
0: we're trying the Kazakhstan thing again, as mentioned, or or maybe we're not, brother. Who's to say?
1: It looks like Fool's Gold to me. We're going to be racing in Hungary. They want they've they've wanted a race in Hungary for years. They wanted a race at the Hungaro Ring, but good luck obligating that son of a bitch for bikes.
0: Or as those uh, who've watched the Gran Turismo film know it as Lama. Yeah, of course.
2: I, I I I I don't even know what to say to you right now.
0: <laughs> is, is, that, is that a worse statement than the Nurburgring WTCR circuit?
1: Let's not go there. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't think I, this cast is done. I, 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 I think it think
2: actually is t- worse than that. Thank you. You know what, RJ? It, 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 fuck you. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I don't even I love have anything you. creative to say. Go to hell.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're stuck I, with me. <laughs>
1: I, it, I think the calendar is fine. And unfortunately, the only way they're going to space this out now is like going into December, and we can't do that for like February. racing. Like we, we, we can't. Like I'm already He's mad not enough. At people f- enough time off like, at like, that point. Formula One's calendar next year starts the first week of March and ends in the second week of December next year. Ooh. we're racing two weeks before Christmas? What?
2: I mean, shit, we were in 2021,
1: and when and MotoGP is now broken the third week of November. Dude,
0: it's crazy when we start to think that, like NASCAR, has a 36 week schedule. Is like, yeah, that's more reasonable than this. Yeah, but that's a national series,
2: not an international series.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, if they started spending that to like 40, 42 races, oh, that yeah, should be that'd over. be
2: concerning. <laughs> More opportunities for me to post the uh, "Bully by Rick Hendrick" video.
0: It was, bu- it was Bubba's weekend. Ah! You've worked off one Hendrick challenge just for the other one to show up and take it through the back door.
1: Or
2: the four-headed Chevy dragon.
1: <sighs> yes, yes, but still a good point stay for Bubba. We'll take that. You know, he's only I think about nine points below the cut line now. That, that's all right. That's a soft fantasization to build like a round of eight push with the, with the Talladega
0: home run shot like looming mm. in the distance. You know, just it.
2: watching the Talladega cars leave the shop, and I think, damn, never going to see her again. Mm.
1: That'll do it, folks, for Moto GP uh, uh, at India. Um, what a
2: glorious me. mess!
1: What 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 a hot mess that was, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> it's back this weekend at Motegi. Um, could be a critical round for the future of Mark Marquez. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, he's meeting Big Honda this weekend, so uh, we'll we'll see how that goes over the over the coming weeks. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll be obviously covering that weekend in full as ever next week now. And I know I promised the IndyCar season review was going to be this weekend. You're going to have to wait one more week. Me and RJ want to do this properly. We'll, we will fresh out some heavy-duty notes over the course of the week, and uh, we're going to attack it properly next weekend after the Mategi Moto GP. So stay tuned. It is coming. Mm. It's just going to be on a quieter week because we don't want to bog ourselves down by doing four hours' worth of podcasts in one sitting. <laughs> so uh, next week. I don't, I don't have the I,
2: mental health to do that right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I, we promise we won't spend 40 minutes talking about Alex Pelot. We'll spend 39 minutes talking about Alex Pelot. But, uh... Basically, you can find us one real quick. We're on uh, Twitter uh, at uh, Motorsport underscore 101. or on Instagram, Motorsport 101pod. Personal handles on on the, the Twitters is Dre underscore WTF1, Buckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell. Um, our website, Motorsport101.com. More thoughts as a whole on India and Formula 1 in Japan this past weekend as well. And if you want a sneak peek of what's to come, I did do a full three-part IndyCar season review that was over 10,000 words long, if you want my full thoughts on it. literally everything from IndyCar this year, um, to put a neat little bow. So we're getting an audiobook version of this on our next episode. <laughs>
2: Mm.
1: Uh, the art of IndyCar by Dre Harrison spoken by Harry Benjamin um, just like my day job <laughs> so yeah all of that to come in the next week or so as well please you can find us fans. also to the Patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 check us out on there if you haven't already we'll be back next week for the Japanese Grand Prix again only this time on two wheels from Motegi. Till then I've been Dre Harrison they've been uh, Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell until next time sayonara
0: Later, y'all. And we
2: just have one, one MotoGP weekend where I don't have to shit on the sport, please.
0: Well, at least normal weekend of Dorna. That's all I ask. Will never happen. At least Honda was competitive this weekend. A little bit.